What's going on, everybody? My name is Anthony Sabatino, the host of the Anthony Sabatino Show. Really, really interesting and amazing. We have a great guest today, Craig. Just as a quick little note, this is episode 10. We've officially hit double digits of the podcast, so pretty big episode today, and I'm excited to share with you, Craig. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, brother. So much love and respect for you. Every single time you and I get together, we create magic. I'm ready to rock. I'm excited. Dude, I'm ready. Let's go. All right, so number one, I just want to get it right off the bat because I think this is our mutual connection in terms of Dave, uh, Dave Meltzer. So I'd love to just hear, you know, kind of how you met him, you know, maybe how your relationship with him got started and then we'll kind of get into some more deep stuff. But I'm just curious out of my own interest. Sure. When I started CLS and I went all in, um, something that was very important to me was to be very intentional and specific with the relationships I formed. Uh, and, and Dave stuck out to me as a good guy, someone that's experienced uh, and someone that I could potentially learn from. And so I reached out to him. We ended up doing an Instagram live. I treated that thing like it was the Super Bowl. Uh, I came yeah. in hot and we had a great experience. And then we stayed connected. And then I was hosting a CLS retreat um, in LA last April, a little less than a year ago. Uh, and I worked it out where I was also going to go visit Dave and go shake his hand and blossom and strengthen the relationship. And we did. Uh, and we did some more things together. And then ultimately, um, I asked him to do the show, The Paradigm Shift, which essentially is a Saturday morning um, Instagram Live. We have on some celebrities and some entrepreneurs and so forth. And we we just talk gratitude and mindset and all that great stuff. And this weekend, we're approaching episode 50, which is pretty crazy. I've been on Dave's show office hours and so forth. Make a long story short, he was someone that I really held in high regard and I respected. And I wanted to become friends with it, so I manifested it. Beautiful, beautiful. And I was just for my own curiosity. So for everybody else in the audience, um, why don't you give some preface and context on what you do? Obviously, give some detail about CLS just so we can all have some foundation going into the conversation, and then we'll get into some cool details. Okay. So about eleven for the last eleven years, uh, I was on Wall Street. I was having a ton of success from a monetary standpoint, uh, but ultimately, I was dying a slow death. And let me explain. When I got to Wall Street, I also simultaneously found personal development, how to reprogram the mind, had to remove limiting beliefs, all that great stuff. And I became obsessed with it. And it was great. It helped me achieve monetary success on Wall Street. Um, but, but ultimately, Wall Street was fun until it wasn't, right? Because it's so unpredictable and there's just so much out of your control. And so I pivoted from Wall Street and I started my own business, um, still in the financial industry, um, but a lot less stressful. Um, but here's the kicker. It did not light my soul on fire by any means. It felt like a J-O-B. And even though I was grateful, Anthony, to wake up every day and be a business owner and make money, uh, I wasn't even alive, brother. I was just existing. And I had started to become miserable for quite some time. I had all this built up energy and fuel and I channeled it to running. And that was pretty cool. I ran a bunch of marathons, four in one year. I may or may not have addictive personality. <laughs> and I'm so happy I found that because running is a big part of who I am today, especially. And I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later with the tumor story and the most recent New York City marathon. But I never thought I was going to become a professional runner. I was just looking for an outlet. Fast forward to the pandemic. I shut down my office, what I thought would be two weeks. And I just had that moment. I had always felt guided and called, um, but, but I wasn't able to put it together. When I finally grounded myself for the first time, probably in my life, the beginning of the pandemic, while everyone else was doing a lot of Netflix and a lot of day drinking, I just asked myself some really deep, challenging, powerful questions. Am I happy? Absolutely not. What would make me happy? 
if money wasn't an issue, this, that, and the other thing. And ultimately, I, I just put myself in this frequency where I, where I really wanted to dive deeper and find out why I'm here. Because in my personal opinion, everybody is here with a purpose. Everybody has their own gifts. Everybody's here for a reason. Um, the greats are able to identify it and gain clarity. And so from studying personal development, I asked myself two things. What are my gifts? What are my passions? My gift is my ability to communicate effectively. And my passion is personal development. So I married those two. I started Cultivate Lasting Symphony or CLS to play my initials. And I never looked back, but I left Wall Street for good. Um, and I went all in and I very humbly say it's exploded over the last year. So we have a million downloads on the podcast, some of the world's biggest celebrities sponsored by Mark Cuban, as you know, keynote speaking, I'm flying to Atlanta this week, uh, the community, which you're a part of the membership, some of the masterminds, all that stuff. And the whole irony, of this whole story, and this is where I want to land the plane is I didn't start CLS for the money, uh, but ultimately as it turns out, and as I found out when you really like create your own happiness and find what sets your soul on fire and you do a good job, the universe floods you with more money than you ever knew what to do with. And so I've left Wall Street for good. This is it for me in some capacity for the rest of my life. And I'd like to believe we're just getting warmed up. Dude, amazing. And to just piggyback on a few of those points, number one, I'm a proud member of the you know CLS group. Uh, it's an amazing community of people. Um, it's great. But even, you know, just more of what, what it represents, I think is important, right? And all those things that you touched on, on, you know, impacting mindset and really pu putting yourself in a frequency that matters. Um, a lot of that can be found in there. So thank you, number one, for starting it and uh, being a part of it. So let's, I wanted to get the way I kind of, I was thinking actually of a few different ways that we could have this conversation, obviously, because you bring so much to the table in this mindset world. And there's so much, you know, different channels that can trickle off of that. So I was really figuring out a way that I could really best do this. And I thought the best way was really just to get your takes on a few different things that I want to bring up. Cause I think we can expand upon it as we go. So I wanted to start off pretty nice and easy in terms of, you know, the blatant term, but there's obviously a whole lot of depth to it. So let's talk about failure quick. So um, I know that's something, especially being an entrepreneur, but let alone that, you know, everyday life, this failure is left and right, no matter which life you're living, no matter what you're operating in. And so you know, I would love to hear kind of your perspective on failure. And before you answer, one of the things I'd like to preface that with is one of the things that Dave has said is the idea of, you know, if you have this ambition, right, that you're going after every kind of failure up until that point is just one knock less up until you get to it, right? So his point is like, what if there was only 25 more to go? You know, that means every single one would be better, you know, and you'd feel more motivated every time you go. I'm curious if you kind of share that perspective, if you have anything else you want to expand on in terms of failure, maybe how you approach that. So that's interesting. It reminds me of the old term, like in sales, like every no brings you closer to a yes. Uh, and I appreciate that. For me personally, I think the only way that we fail uh, is if we learn no lessons, right? So, so for example, like if you do something and it doesn't go according to plan, um, but you get some data and now you can take that and apply it to the next attempt, I don't believe you really failed. You know what I'm saying? I, I think you just learned. Um, so, so for me, it's like the only way you can fail is if you don't try. And, and when people ask me, like, weren't you scared to go into CLS into an, an arena that you had zero experience within the online space? I literally had 300 Instagram followers, no connections, uh, and leave a stable job uh, on Wall Street. And, and the answer is I was petrified to go back to me, going back to being miserable as a choice was failure. Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, taking a shot at CLS, 
if it didn't work out, which I knew that it would, because I've been successful at things that I wasn't even good at, um, because I'll put in the work and I'll grow and adapt. Uh, but for me, uh, I, I was just absolutely petrified to go back, brother. So, so when I felt called and guided, I stepped into CLS knowing that there will be obstacles, there will be challenges, I will get knocked on my butt, but I will learn, I will surround myself with experienced, good people like our mutual friend, Dave, and so forth, and I'll continue to get better. And then ultimately, I can't fail if I look at it like that. Um, but, but then again, like at the same time, my first marathon that I ran in New York City, I wanted to break four hours and I didn't. So I guess essentially I failed that goal, right? Um, but ultimately, it, it kept me inspired to even do better. And I did get better. And then I ended up breaking four hours. So, you know, I don't think failure is a negative. I, I think the only way that failure can be associated with a negative uh, is if you don't try or you don't learn anything. I, I like to look at it as it's a part of the process. Love that. Love that. And it's funny. I was waiting to ask this, but since you just brought up process. So I have this analogy in my head, and this can be a little deep but I think it's cool to go there. So if you think about, you know, those differences between, you know, masculine and feminine energies, right? A really interesting space that I'm kind of fascinated in. And one of the analogies that I really find most interesting is if you look at only really utilizing one of those things, it's kind of like a bird flapping with one wing, you know, going in a circle, you know? And when you can utilize both, that's when you can start really going somewhere and you find yourself all these flow states and, you know, you get a lot out of that. And I really believe in, that difference maker, where you look at process as opposed to maybe just some end fixated goals, that's more of that, right? Like, I was wondering if you could speak to that in terms of maybe just the value of process going through yeah. the journey. Yeah, I love that, brother, because something that I've learned recently since I've been diving into the law of attraction and this quantum stuff is, is the ability to understand the power of intention, which essentially is having a thought or, or an idea, which makes it possible. And then take an inspired action, which makes it a probability. But here's the kicker. So you take positive action, intentional action, I should say, towards something, but then you surrender and flow from the process, right? Like what's the expression is, is you marry the process, you divorce the outcome. And so essentially, I think that instead of putting too much pressure on expectations on the end result, which you just attested to, I think it's best to just stay in your process and be consistent and committed each and every single day to moving the chain, so to speak, or in a football analogy, getting first downs. And then ultimately a couple of months down the line, it's like, oh my goodness, like what we built so far, it's that long game mentality. Um, so, so it's something that I've learned over the years. And I'm really glad that you challenged me and brought that up is because I think too many people put so much pressure on certain expectations to certain end results that if they don't get it right away, they become easily dejected. Um, so what I try to focus on a little bit more is the process and just showing up as the best version of me each and every single day. And then I know um, we'll, we'll create those end results that I'm looking for and then some. Beautiful, yeah. So let's get, I wanna get your take on, cause you kind of spoke to it a little bit in terms of like the quantum th stuff and, and the law of attraction. A lot of that has to do with frequency, right? And you know, the frequency that you're operating at, obviously I want you to expand upon it, but I think most people don't even have an understanding of what frequency really is and, and how you can even maybe influence it. Uh, I was wondering if you can maybe just give like a nutshell example, maybe of what we can do, or even just the awareness of it, of frequency, and maybe how that can correlate to what you attract in everyday life. So I'll never claim to be an expert in this quantum stuff. All I could tell you is that I've learned this stuff and really dove in specifically the last five or six months. 
and I'm experiencing real-time manifestations and I'm really manifesting big, big, big things in my world. Um, so I could tell you what it means to me. Sure. Essentially, like running on a higher frequency, it's just like being on fire, having high energy, being enthusiastic, someone who's like in a hurry, who's up to big things, right? So when you're operating at that frequency, it's contagious. People can see it. They start to gravitate towards you. At the same token, right? Like someone that's operating at a lower frequency, like is not on fire, like they're not in a hurry. Um, their energy is not super contagious, maybe even dr um, draining and so forth. And so when I think about like someone who, who's running at a high frequency or vibrating on a very high level, I think of someone that is making stuff happen, is driven, is inspired, is on fire, understands the power of intention, the law of attraction, that we are an energy. And, and essentially we're a soul and a spirit having a human experience this is just a vessel. And, and with that energy that we all are, or the spirit inside of us is literally nothing that we can't do. And and it's just that maniacal drive to being excited, enthusiastic, in a hurry, like I said, driven uh, and just excited about life. And I think that frequency um, is what I'm referring to. It's contagious and people could spot it out. I think you're 100 percent right. And we've all felt everybody listening to we've all felt what it's like to be in somebody's presence who has that kind of frequency. You know, it's very it's not actually tangible, but you know when it's happening. You, know, you can feel there's a difference in the air. 100 percent. Yes, it's contagious straight yeah. up. Cool. All right. Awesome. So I wanted to actually give you this analogy too. This is something that I say to a lot of people that I work with sometimes, and it's so specific in terms of getting towards some path to eventually really embrace gratitude, right? Because obviously that's a big, um, obviously big term, but obviously something that when you fully embrace and feel it can change the game for people on an emotional level. Right? So I had this idea in my head and I was wondering if I get your take on it. It's kind of a thesis of mine that I see a lot of people work through and I've seen it happen so many times. So, so many times, right. When I look at like a goal that I want to achieve, I look at it, like I'm going to put all the work in I possibly can. I set the attention, like you said, right. And you learn more about it. That's kind of what I label it as, right. You're starting to learn the experiences that are associated with getting that goal. Right. And what happens is after you learn something new constantly and constantly, what ends up happening is, oh, I don't, again, correct me if I'm wrong. This is what I've noticed you're almost like subconsciously desiring to manipulate the outcome at that point because you feel like you can, right? Does that kind of make sense? Like if I'm learning something new constantly, I'm like, oh, I can manipulate an outcome, right? Because it's almost like learning a new math equation. You're like, oh, I can find out a new answer, you know? And then eventually what happens is, you know, you get some short-term wins because you're manipulating an outcome and it doesn't look like it's winning in the grand scheme, but to you, like you're convincing or you're rationalizing of it, right? And you're just validating that, you're validating that, you're validating and all of a sudden you get served some humility, right? Something happens where it feels like your world just implodes because you were leaning in so hard to that self-validation that wasn't really sturdy and you get served something that makes you humble, right? And I think at that juncture, you start to really reframe your gratitude, right? And I'm curious if I get your take. I know that was a little bit long-winded, but that was like my, my thesis of really where how I see a lot of people getting to the step of gratitude that maybe isn't on purpose, but I was curious if I could get your take on that. It's a great point, brother. Beautifully said. And I love the way you articulated that. I want to acknowledge you for that. It happened to me um, when I was training for that Chicago marathon and I was going a thousand miles an hour with CLS uh, and the universe had different plans. Right. And, and all of a sudden I got injured and it turns out there was a tumor in my foot and I needed to slow down. And, and I know for certain that life happens for us, not to us. And that was the exact blessing that I needed at that time to kind of reset 
get the surgery, get it all taken out. But it was at that moment when I was on crutches with a hole in my foot that I began diving into this quantum stuff, the law of attraction, understanding working within the ego. Instead of I'm going to run Chicago and shock the world, then all of a sudden we're going to have an opportunity to show up to New York, inspire my dad who's battling cancer, raise money for American Cancer Society, do it for a bigger reason. And I'm just so grateful for that whole situation. I guess it's easy to say on the outside that that situation humbled me and maybe to an extent it did. Uh, but it, it, it was exactly what I needed at the right time. And I am super grateful for it. Uh, and, and I could tell you that my, my frequency of gratitude has definitely been enlightened since that incident for sure. And I think that is a perfect analogy of what you were just referring to. That's amazing. I'm glad you gave that example. And if you want, you can feel free to leave as much detail out or in as you want. But if you want to maybe, it's, like, it's a very inspiring story. And I think when I first met you in the city that one day with Dave, the crutches. Yeah, you were on the crutches, right? Yeah. So if you want to give some insight, I think a lot of people can learn from that story. Yeah, so I was training for the Chicago Marathon. I was talking about it from a little bit of an ego, saying, I'm going to shock the world, do this and that. I was at a big speaking engagement with our mutual friend Dave uh, in Myrtle Beach, and we were playing football on the beach. Never a good idea uh, with the boys. <laughs> and I got injured. I thought I broke my foot. I came home. It was misdiagnosed as a sprained ligament. My intuition just didn't buy into it. And it, it, I felt guided to facilitate an MRI, even though they said it's not necessary. And I did. And they give me a call back the next week, the doctor. Uh, he's like, I think you should come in. I'm like, I'm a little busy right now. Just hit me with it. Is it torn? And like, actually, the ligament looks good. Then he pauses and he goes, well, we found a tumor on the bottom of your foot. It shook me up. You know, no one was expecting that. I allowed myself a couple hours of a pity party, whereas the old Craig uh, would have sat in that pity party for maybe even weeks to a month. But now I know life happens for us, not to us. And, and I also understand that you won't be able to figure it out necessarily in that instance because you can only connect the dots looking backwards. And sure. so the very next day, doctors, you know, find who I like, the best surgeons in Manhattan, uh, get the tumor taken out. It's benign, thank God, crutches, stitches, and so forth. But it was at this point where I was like, if I'm ever going to buy into this quantum law of attraction stuff, why not now while I'm sitting here and I can't physically train? Um, because I'd always been skeptical because it was beyond my senses. Maybe that's a little egotistical, if I'm being honest. So I dove in and I went down the rabbit hole, brother, and I can't talk about this stuff enough. And I ended up not being able to run Chicago, but three weeks after that, which is not that long of a time, I was able to have an opportunity to get to New York. Like I said earlier, run to inspire my pops, raise money from uh, cancer and so forth. And it's funny because as I was getting closer, I was just in another frequency. Like we talked about earlier, like I was in the quantum. I was no one, nowhere, nothing. I was just a spirit. Uh, hmm. And I started to get a lot of confidence about what we could do there because I didn't believe that I was limited to my physical capacity, which was not being able to train. Sure. Uh, and everyone, everyone would ask me for predictions. Do you think you'll be able to finish? And I just said, no predictions for this one. I'm just grateful for a shot. Uh, and, and I was in another dimension, brother. I ran that thing faster than I ever ran in my life, a 339 personal record uh, with a broken foot. Also, as it turned out, I found out after. Um, but ultimately, that story arc was complete from tumor diagnosis to marathon finish. Um, but the real journey, the real arc has only begun uh, with this quantum stuff. And I've been in the quantum ever since, brother. And there's just no other way to describe what happened. I mean, you typically have to train to run 26.2 miles physically. I was unable to do that. So how did I run, run so fast? 
uh, I just learned a lot about energy and, and spirit and all that stuff. So it's definitely a, a story worth mentioning. And, and it, this changes the whole game now going forward, because now there's literally no limitations on what we can do and who we can become. It's beautiful. What an inspiring story. Oh, man, that's great. And so speaking on that, right, because I think at a physical level, right, to your point, it was nearly impossible to do what you did, right? You know, you made it happen. Do you, and I'm just out of my own curiosity here too, do you do anything even now, maybe that you're a little bit better healed on the physical sense that maybe has made an impact on you emotionally or something like that? Like, do you do something physical like morning routine? Do you do something, you know, in your workouts or, or even running still, like you mentioned, like, is there something big that impacts you still on a physical level? Um, I, you know, since then, I just, I run now with just a different mentality. Running for me is a moving meditation, brother. Like, uh, I'm just, it's like me in, in my, in my, zone like just me god my thoughts great ideas maybe music maybe a podcast whatever the case may be um but but now i also have that point of reference like if i'm ever doing anything physical whether it's working out running or anything it's like wait a minute you ran the new york city marathon uh with the tumor right refresh out of surgery like you could do anything and so i definitely carry that with me and so forth but uh, the physicality, like I work out every single day, believe it or not, but it's just that for the first time in my life, like looking good, isn't my priority. Sure. I work out to really just, you know, break a sweat, um, cross a, a job well done off the list. And, and because I genuinely love it, uh, and, and I do, and it's just it, working out for me now is a different type of validation than it used to be when I was a little bit more immature. That makes sense. I'm the same kind of way too, where the reasons why I worked out before, are completely different now. Now I look at it like when I'm working out, it's to completely level up every other part of my life as opposed to just trying to look good, you know? Yeah, uh, 100%. That's amazing. So I want to take us um, down another deep analogy here quick and get your take on it. Um, sure. So I have this understanding, right, that a lot of times what happens is throughout a journey, throughout a process, call it your entire life or even sometimes towards a goal specifically, what happens is a lot of times we, we seem to demonize something that ends up being the exact thing we appreciate in the end or the exact thing that should have been appreciated the entire time but many times we feel like we almost have to demonize it to learn how to appreciate it right and so the analogy i give a lot and this one's a little deep too is this idea of you know having your ego in play right a lot of times we demonize our egos like there's some it's like some personified like thing out there that's hurting us meanwhile the actual like end ambition is to understand how to be one with your ego. Like it's a part of you. It's creating your human experience. It's doing all these things, right? And a lot of people demonize it. There's even books out there, right? Of like how to like dislike your ego or how to get it away from you and things like that. And I haven't read them, so I don't want to speak on it. But the idea of that process of learning how to demonize something to then learn how to appreciate it. I'm curious if you have any take on that. You know, with the ego, I, I thought it was the devil too. Um, yeah. But but now that I realize working within the ego is the key. For example, uh, I have a big speaking engagement this week in Atlanta. I'm flying back, but I was at one about a few weeks ago um, with some you know big time cats over there with John Maxwell, Jesse Esther, and so forth. But the night before, brother, I felt a little bit anxious, like like knowing like this is a big deal. You're going to be on the stage with, with these cats. You're only a year into this space, so to speak or the night before a marathon, right? Like, even though I know I can run, uh, I still get that the tingly feeling that basically lets you know that you respect the task at hand. This is a big deal. And I think that's the ego working within you, letting you know, 
this is a big moment. Let's prepare. Let's take it seriously and so forth. And, and the truth of the matter is, is if I didn't feel that going on stage or running a marathon, I feel like that would actually be egotistical because then I wouldn't be like treating it like it was a big deal when it really is. And, and so that's my understanding of being able to work within the ego and utilize the ego as your friend, as opposed to demonizing, like you said previously. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. Have you ever felt like, you know, you've obviously had the pleasure to work with some, like you said, some really big cats, people out there who have like serious influence in the business world and every other world possible. Like, have you noticed any trends that they do in just the way they operate themselves? Like I spoke to a country singer on the podcast a few episodes back and she said that she's worked with people like Keith Urban or Blake Shelton. And she said she was just shocked at how down to earth they were and how easily it was for like it felt like they just listened and they were the only person in the room and like they brought themselves that way you know have you felt something similar with some of the people that you've worked with i feel like a lot of these jugs they like to call them these juggernauts in the space they genuinely yeah. love this stuff brother like like yeah. they love to serve they love to support they're very grateful uh, everybody has a story right everybody did something else before um for the most part and, and yeah. didn't didn't love that and they stepped into this space and it's just cool, man. It's like, it reminds me of the running community. Like everybody's so positive, like in New York city, like I'll see a, a random runner in the street. I have no idea how much they ran or, or what their deal is with running, but, but we'll give a thumbs up, right? Just like a mutual yeah. respect. Like I see you, you're out there running, doing the damn thing. And right. I think with the personal development space, yeah, I've been very fortunate to surround myself with people that, that to me seem like good dudes or, or, or good girls and just good people uh, that are doing this stuff for the right reasons. Even the people that are crushing it, like you attested to, like John Maxwell, Jesse Isler, and, and all of them, um, just good people. Like, like they genuinely, like when they take the stage, they want to make an impact. They're validated by someone coming up to them after the performance saying, hey, I really appreciated what you said. It really left a mark on me. And so from my experience so far, uh, everybody in this space is doing it for the right reasons. It's beautiful. And I obviously have a lot of aspirations to, you know, start meeting those levels, you know, in due time. And the idea of, you know, you always kind of being there and seeing what all the stuff that you're up to with people like that is extremely inspiring. And so in that through way, I want to hear, you know, how you kind of really like what specifically about the CLS experience, the podcast, right, that has over a million downloads that is really big, has all these amazing guests um, that you get to have the conversations with that really impact people. I'm curious how that stemmed. Like, did you have some thought one day that you're like, this is what I feel called to do? Like, I need to start a podcast. I need to share our conversations or anything like that. When I thought of CLS um, in the pandemic, and I gave myself a mission statement. I remember very specifically, and I probably, I definitely still have it. I made, I turned the camera the other way around and I spoke to myself like a Velfi, like, like a yeah. selfie, but a video. Yeah. And I basically just said like what I'm about to do, who I'm going to become and what this is going to look like. And when I did that, I basically uh, strategically organized it. So CLS would be a 10 lane highway with each lane being a, a different component. For example, coaching, keynote speaking, the podcast, sponsorships, uh, the weekly shows, right? And so forth. And so everything was something else. And the podcast just stuck out to me right from the beginning because as a personal development fan, someone who gets off on this stuff, loving to learn and just accumulate knowledge and wisdom, um, I just saw it as a great opportunity to be able to utilize that platform to have some really good, deep conversations with some very powerful people. 
And that can make a gigantic ripple effect or impact or be of influence and so forth. And so, look, I'm also a big believer in this. If you're going to think, you might as well think huge. I don't believe in being realistic. I, I, I associate being realistic with being negative. I think you should always be optimistic uh, and really excited and even a bit delusional about what you can achieve. Uh, and just remove those limitations, right? I think our mutual friend Dave says, the only thing that should die are your limitations, which, which yeah. really stick out to me. So I just thought big. I said, if we're going to do this podcast, let's get some big guests on here so we could share their story with bigger audiences. We can continue to grow this thing and, and just continue to grow the impact. Because at the end of the day, if I have the best content in the world, but it, there's no eyeballs or there's no eardrums to hear it, then it goes for nothing. And then the whole point of like, it, it doesn't play out the, the way it's supposed to. I'm not able to make that impact. So you have to be strategic with everything that you did. I didn't have any connections or a following on social media in order to facilitate that so I could reach more people. It made sense to me to form relationships and collaborate with people that have big audiences so we could continue to grow and share that message. I'm glad you brought that up. And that's, that's a great point. So I, I sit in a very similar boat. When I first started out, I didn't have any connections or anything like that. Same thing. I kind of utilize Instagram and social media platforms to help, you know, get in the door, right. And make those relationships with people. And I guess we can classify that as networking, right. At the end of the day, where would you kind of put that in your journey? Like, do you feel like without that networking, you'd be in a completely different spot? Networking is huge, by the way. You know the expression, like, your yeah. network is your net worth. And, and, and you're always one relationship away from a completely different life. I, I think that your sphere of influence and, and who you associate with yourself is everything, right? You can only do so much by yourself. And it's even a bit egotistical to think you could do everything by yourself. Uh, and that's something that I had to learn the hard way. Uh, once I realized that I could actually associate pleasure with asking for support, with surrounding myself with more experienced people, because at the end of the day, I don't know what I don't know. So uh, networking, forming relationships, becoming friends with Rob Deerdeck, Ed Milet, John Asroff, Suzanne Summers, obviously can only help. And they happen to yeah. be really cool human beings that I've always been a fan with. A another topic for about manifestations. And, and so ultimately relationships is literally everything. You're always one relationship away from, from a huge connection or something that completely changed the course of your life. So yes, be networking and being able to build rapport and form relationships is a massive component to success in really anything, but specifically with CLS in the personal development space for sure. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And on that same, in that same vein, right? I know one of the biggest things that you pride yourself on, especially as the brand itself, CLS builds, a lot of it roots through your personal brand, right? And like your content that you're putting out there, a lot of it's coming through you as the face of the brand and, and you being able to be such a heavy involved partner, not really partner, really like person in the, in the space that's doing things that are in a big way, right? Any personal branding tips that you might have on the top of your head? Sure. I always tell, um, like I just launched the mastermind. Well, it's going to launch in March, um, but we just opened the doors and something I'm going to talk about in there. Uh, and something that I often talk about is you should always think of yourself as a personal brand, even if you're not necessarily a brand, because mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is, is this day and age, like everybody's watching everything that you do should be calculated in my personal opinion. I'm strategic about every single post, every single caption. If I post a picture on a Sunday, lifestyle Sundays, as I like to call it, with my nephew, the caption is strategic. Every single story, 
everything that I do is thought out and organized. Uh, I don't do anything like spontaneous like that. And the reason being is because I realized when I was going to do this thing, um, that I'm going to be a personal brand and I might as well start with myself, even before CLS begins to take shape, like Craig Siegel is now a personal brand. So everything I do is a reflection on who I am and the CLS that, that I'm about to build. And so for anybody listening, I think that starting today, you should associate yourself as a personal brand with every little thing that you do. And that's not to scare you, that's to encourage you and excite you to let you know that everything that you do, people are watching, but you can benefit from that uh, if you're very organized and strategic. Uh, and ultimately, you have a vision for yourself and your brand. So bottom line is as follows, think of yourself as a personal brand as early as right now. Beautiful advice. Yeah. One that I definitely took when I first started my brand too, something to that effect. I realized, I realized, Hey, if, you know, a situation were to occur where everything that I did regarding this business that I was building or the brand of myself that I was building was on camera and was documented, would I be proud of it? And once I started thinking through that lens, I started realizing you're right. Wow. I do have to be strategic. Everything does need to be organized with intention of exactly what I mean. And one of the things that I actually learned from you involving in CLS itself as well is the idea of building community, right? And the value of having a community that you can really impact and have such inside close access with um, is so important, right? And I'm curious, you know, when you first started CLS, like, did you find any particular strategies or, or even just mentalities that you thought of in terms of community building? So community for me stuck out from the very beginning, because I said to myself, just like I said, with the podcast, same thing, just a different arena. Like if we're going to provide great content, which I'm confident and I have a strong self-belief that I can provide because I accumulate personal development every single day, I'm getting better. I'm listening to audiobooks, uh, podcasts, whatever the case may be. So if I'm going to be able to provide great content, there's got to be people to see it or otherwise it goes for nothing. And then essentially I'm being selfish with these gifts, right? So when I first started, my thought process was to build a Facebook group. That was very effective for me. I started to build that. It was a very intimate community, built relationships. It was very personal. And then ultimately I, I took that and brought them to Instagram, uh, eventually the podcast and so forth. But it's, it's funny, the one word that nobody wants to talk about for the successful like online entrepreneurs, and I, I'm very vocal about this, is your community is literally everything. Because it doesn't matter how good you are, if there's nobody there, it goes to nothing. On the flip side, you build that personal connection, that relationship with the community. They're loyal, they're engaged, they'll go with you wherever. Uh, and you'll have that, I don't want to say entourage, but like, you know, sphere of influence, right? That tribe, so to speak. And, and that holds a lot of weight and goes a long way. And, and I'll tell you this. When I collaborate with a lot of these big jugs, right? Like the Rob Deerdex of the world and my let, like, let's be honest. Like, do I, do I think that I'm, you know, really good and up and coming? Yes, I do. I have a ton of self-belief, but at the, at the end of the day, I haven't been doing this that long for being honest, right? So if those guys are going to take time out of their really, really busy day, I mean, some of these guys are worth hundreds of million dollars, like they, they have to see some value in Craig aside from just a good kid who, who's onto something, right? So yes. what kind of value can I provide them? a community might not be a hundred thousand, right. But, but they come into the membership. There's a few hundred people right away. They start, they start engaging with them, messaging them, following them. That's valuable to them. And, and so it's all connected brother. So you have a community, other people are more likely to want to collab with you because they know they're going to be eyeballs on them and they could spread their message and so forth. Bottom line community is huge. Dude, you're so right. And especially to your point that you made a few minutes earlier, where you said, all these big jugs, you know, their, their, their big goal now is to make an impact on people. 
you know, because at a certain level, financially, they're, they're get their own thing going, they're making money. But when they have an opportunity to impact people's lives, like that's what they're getting off on. That's what really validates their behavior, you know. And so if you build, you just bring that to them, you know, that's a very enticing offer in terms of having community. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Cool. So real quick too, just because you mentioned about books, I know obviously you're a big consumer of content in books and audiobooks. I'm a huge believer in audiobooks. I listen to audiobooks and podcasts like incessantly. Um, any recommendations you have for people, books, audiobooks, podcasts, other than your own, of course, um, anything like that? Yeah. So I started the CLS book club, which I'm super excited about. And, yeah. and uh, right now we're, and it's totally free. Uh, it's really fun and exciting. Right now we're reading uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Becoming Supernatural, which I'll be honest, is not the easiest read. Uh, it's not one of those that I could just listen to while I'm running because I want to take notes. Right now we're reading that in, and we're going to get the authors in um, to do a special presentation on a Zoom um, during each book. And we already have the next two authors locked and loaded, uh, and they both already committed to coming in to share. So right now, reading Becoming Supernatural uh, with Dr. Joe. And then I have my, my go-tos that I constantly read over and over, like The Secret, um, The Power of Positive Thinking. Uh, you know, I, I'm always on to something. And in regards to podcast, uh, one that I really like is, aside from yours, of course, and mine, uh, is Ed Milet, who I'm a big fan of. Um, and then obviously Dave too. Um, and I'm just always consuming myself with something, but sometimes it's a YouTube video, sometimes it's audiobook, sometimes it's a podcast. Every single day, it's part of my routine. I'm consuming and consuming just like you. That's great. I really, it's funny you mentioned Ed Milet. I'm such a big fan of his podcast. And it's funny, a lot of podcasts specifically, I tend to fall into the group of watching them on video. So I love mm -hmm. watching Ed's on video. And one that he just posted, um, not the one he just posted, but the one before that um, with the, I think she was a professor at Stanford. It was all about, you know, providing influence and how that works with people. And it, there was one thing she said that completely transformed almost everything in sales for me. And I'll just say it quickly because I think it can really help. She was saying how, you know, we, and I, this is like a lot of things that my brand uh, is represented on too, of not being so transactional and over-indexing on brand. But she said this and she was saying like, when you're selling to another, when you're in a sales call, you're just having a conversation with another business setting. You know, you, when you, when you kind of approach that so transactionally, you've immediately objectified that other person because you put them in, they're not a human anymore. They're just a part of a transaction, just a party. You know, and you, when someone feels objectified, they, they feel like they're an object, which immediately then makes them feel like they have to then win the conversation with you, right? They want to get the best deal out of you, like, because they're no longer a human. Now they're just part of the transaction. So you might as well get the best transaction possible, you know? So when she said that, that clicked for me immediately, you know, I was like, wow, like I knew to not be transactional. I knew brand mattered. But when you think of it like that, like you're literally objectifying another human being, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's, that's crazy. 100%. Yeah, no, that's so true. Um, and people love to build the rapport that they want to feel like a human being, like even these big celebrities and so forth. And I think that's one of the things that I've really made a, a gigantic effort to do is to have really good conversations with some of the guests and build a friendship. And I think that goes a long way. They could see that you separate yourself from the pack. hundred percent, hundred percent. So just as we wrap up here, any last minute, you know, mindset tips that maybe someone can take in and execute and that's practical that someone can do when they're feeling down or they're feeling anxious or stressed. Cause you know, I have a very entrepreneurial audience. So a lot of people are running businesses here. And I know for a fact, obviously me included that running a business can be extremely stressful and there can be a lot of stuff on your plate. I'm sure you can attest to that. Anything that kind of, you know, might help in the mindset world. I think the biggest thing that I can leave you guys and your listeners with here today is just a simple fact that 
thoughts are random, thinking is not. And at the end of the day, practice your self-awareness. So what do I mean by that? Anytime that you're feeling a little off or you're not in a good frequency or you're having a bad day, just become self-aware and say, thank you so much to the universe because they're shining a flashlight and they're giving you feedback to let you know that your thoughts are currently disempowering and bringing you down. Because here's the thing, it's backed by science. 75% of your thoughts over the course of the day are going to be negative. So how, how are the ones that are so optimal or elite, how do they work within that? They're able to block out some of that interference. And how do they do that? They're very strategic with the thoughts that they allow to consume real estate inside their mind. So for example, if you're feeling weird, that means that you're flooded with disempowering thoughts. It's as simple as in being aware of that and then getting them out, right? Like an intruder in your house and then implementing positive, constructive, productive thoughts, which will now change your beliefs about your situation. So all those limiting beliefs that people suffer from, the good news is, is you weren't born with those beliefs. You've cultivated them over time. So anytime you're feeling a little bit weird, business, entrepreneurship, a relationship, whatever the case may be, it's just your thoughts that are not serving you at that moment. And if you understand that, you can replace them with empowering ones, immediately creating positive beliefs, which will change your behaviors, your habits, and then ultimately change your results. I know this sounds simple, and it is. It's not easy, but it's simple. It just challenges you to be very self-aware. And anytime you're feeling a little bit off, just understand it's your thoughts. Go back in and be strategic with the ones that you want to allow to stay there. And then you'll change your beliefs. And literally, your entire frequency will change in an instant. Wow. That's great advice. Thoughts are random. Thinking's not. That's great. That's it's a it. Good yeah. So um, listen, man, how can, uh, how can people reach out to you? How can people, where can people find you, find more of your content, and, you know, potentially even join CLS? I think I hang out the most on Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, the record setting, the CLS experience, our website, cultivatelastingsymphony.com, where you can find all ways to work with us, whether it's the CLS membership, which you're a part of, uh, or the masterminds, or, or all the cool stuff that we have going on. And if you like daily inspiration, uh, join the free texting community by texting 917-634-3796. Come say hello. I love to interact. CLS is a personal connection. You will actually get a message back from me at some point. Uh, and, and I love to connect and just meet great people like you, brother. And I'm so grateful to have you in my life. Doing Life View is more fun. Uh, and I really appreciate the conversation today. You challenged me and that's what it's all about. So kudos to you. I appreciate that, Craig. This has been a great relationship that we're building. And I'm so excited to see in the future. Thank you so, so much for being on the show and welcoming us to the double digits of the podcast. Thank you, brother. Have a great day. You too. Peace. Took a shot in the dark to make my own lane. I think that I'm better go my own way. So I didn't. Now I'm on my own. Yeah, I'm on my way. Keep my head up till I find my place. Yeah, I'm on my way.